With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new video. Before we get into the stories, I need to give a trigger warning for sexual assault for the fifth story in this video. I didn't intend on yesterday's video and today's video to have that kind of content. It just kind of happened. So apologies for that. As always, I'll have a pinned comment in the comment section labeling the story if you want to avoid it. And as always, you can send your stories to southerncannibal.com if you have one you want to share. All that being said, let's get into the stories. And remember to always always stay hungry i'm a 24 year old female and at the time of the story i was 17 years old i played volleyball for 14 years and after school was over i would play club volleyball the club i played at was about 45 minutes away from my home the practice would usually run for about three hours it was about 9 p.m. by the time I left from volleyball. As I got into the highway, I noticed a blue Ford F-150 next to me as we all merged into the highway. I looked over at the truck because it was driving quite aggressively, but I couldn't see in because of the tinted windows. It was a big mistake to look over at them. As I merged on the highway, the truck instantly got behind me. I then got over in the far left lane where I felt safe, but so did they, cutting off someone in the process. The traffic at this point was quite heavy, and I tried to get out of his way because I knew the man driving was acting aggressive, but as I got out of his way, he instantly got behind me. Now I knew at this point he was doing this on purpose. At first I wasn't scared, I just thought he was doing this to get around most cars like I was. But no, he was following me. He started to flash his lights at me like something was wrong with me or my car. I looked over at my dashboard and my lights, and they were all fine. At this point, I was getting scared because this man was following me. Every time I would change lanes, he would be right behind me. At this point, I started to speed up and weave throughout the traffic to get away from him. But somehow, he would always be right behind me yet again. The first person I called was my dad, and through tears and hyperventilating, I said, Dad, someone's following me. My dad told me to immediately call the police. At this point, I was about 20 minutes away from home. The truck was speeding up to be on my bumper, and then would slow down. The officer told me that the next exit had a police post on it, and told me to get over and to get off to get away from the man. As I did so, the truck took off as they passed me one last time. The man then rolled down his window, and he gave me a creepy smile and wave, laughing as he drove off. I've never experienced anxiety so badly as I did in that moment. To the man in the blue Ford F-150, 
I really hope I never run into you again. Hi, my name is Alexia. I'm 18 years old and I'm from Tennessee. This is my first scary story that my family and I experienced. Now, enough with the intro. My family and I were heading back from home from my niece's house. Every time I see her, I'm in such a good mood. But this night totally ruined my mood. As we were heading back home, a car had hit us from the left side of my dad's truck. It was literally a loud crash, and the worst part is that we were in the right lane. When he bumped into us, we almost flipped, but thankfully that didn't happen. My dad yelled to call 911, so that's what I did. As soon as the operator answered, I then explained the whole situation. My sister was trying to get a picture of the license plate, but failed to do it. So we all decided to follow him. The operator told me not to follow him and to pull over because it wasn't safe. When the white car pulled over, we all thought he was going to stop. But no. He was turning around and trying to escape. Thankfully, we followed him all the way home. It turns out this guy had lived a few minutes away from where we live. We stopped there until the police showed up in less than a minute. He asked for our information and so on. Then like three or four more police cars showed up to the scene. When the cops entered his house, they wanted the guy to step out. But since he didn't step out, they had to drag him out. It turns out that he was really drunk. They placed him in handcuffs and he was immediately arrested and charged for DUI and leaving the scene of an accident. I know, this probably doesn't sound that scary, but this night was really scary for us because my family and I could have flipped over and died. I really hope nothing like that happens again. But for everyone listening, please be safe out there. It was around 3 a.m. at night and pitch black outside. I was driving my motorbike back home after being at my friend's house for the entire day. It was about a 40 minute drive, but since a 50cc bike can't drive on the freeway, I had to take the country road, which is a detour. I didn't have a lot of gas in my tank, so I decided to take it easy on the throttle, meaning it would take longer. For the first 20 minutes, nothing happened. I listened to a podcast while driving home to get my mind off of things and to reduce my paranoia in the pitch black. So far, I only met one car driving in the opposite direction, otherwise it's been pretty quiet. About halfway home, a car pulled up on the road after I passed them. At the time, I didn't really care and I was thinking that they'd overtake me soon anyways. To get to my town, you have to take a gravel road to get to the next road that would take me home. I've always hated that road, since you barely have any control with a two-wheeler on gravel, and this road specifically was badly made. When I indicated and turned into the gravel road, the car turned immediately after. It surprised me, but I still didn't really pay any attention to it. Maybe he was going to the same town as me. Nothing weird, it's a free country. I finally get into the right road and was pretty close to home with the car right behind me. This was the first time then I started to actually question it. He's been following me for a bit long now 
and I didn't take it as a coincidence anymore. Now, I had my phone attached to my handlebar, so I can do anything on my phone while driving. I was close to my house, so I decided to call my brother. I told him everything about the car and that it's been following me for a long time now. He told me to take a detour that only goes to my street to make sure that the car was for real following me. I did as he said. When I got there, I turned off the road and took the detour. The detour would take an extra five minutes, so I didn't really mind. I checked my side mirror, and the car was still there. I called my brother back, and I told him I knew for sure that the car's following me. My brother called the police, took a gun from the safe, and then ran outside waiting for me to come home. I was still on the call with my brother. I told him I was on the street, and that I'm close to the house. When I finally approached my house and then slowed down, the car also slowed down. My brother immediately aimed his gun at the car, yelling, Get the fuck out of here! And the car throttled up and then ran off super quickly. A couple of minutes after the police arrived, my brother managed to memorize the license plate, and I still remember it to this day, but obviously I'm not going to say it here. Not so long after that, we got a call from the police department telling us they found the car parked in an empty parking lot, completely abandoned. No one was arrested on the scene. All of this happened when I was 15. Now I'm 21. You may think the story wasn't that scary, but I assure you, if you ever drive home on a motorbike or a motorcycle when it's pitch black outside and you have a car following you home, you won't think the same anymore. I keep thinking about what would have happened if I didn't call my brother or if my gas ran out. I don't live at that house anymore, nor does my brother, but there were others living there. To this day, whoever that person was in the car, they know where my parents and two sisters live. And that really terrifies me. I believe this was in April of 2018. I had gone to Colorado for a concert and was just driving around checking everything out before and after. The day before the concert, I'm driving through the Rockies because I thought it'd be cool, I guess. It was already probably 9pm at this point. I get to a gas station and there's an old lady with a giant suitcase. I went inside, bought a pack of Swishers, got gas, and as I was leaving, she asked me for a ride. Being young and stupid, I then said, Um, sure. Hop in, ma'am. Then she had me get her giant suitcase in my back seat. Then we were off. The ride started off pretty normal at first, just talking about life. She did most of the talking, mostly about her kids and family. She claimed she was hitchhiking to Alaska for some insane reason that I can't remember. Anyways... I had a joint then I decided to just give her and let her smoke while we were driving. Not sure why. Maybe to get her to shut up a little bit. Eventually she asks if I want to try her weed, but she keeps mentioning how it tastes funny, which was a red flag, so I politely said no. Then she started getting weird, talking about homeless camps where people smoke meth. Then I actually got a good look at her and I realized she was probably like a 40-year-old tweaker and not as old as I thought she was. Anyways, she starts pointing out the rest stop signs or whatever, which were like 100 plus miles out, 
and was trying to convince me to go to one with her. And she just kept saying, I don't have any money, but some people will have you suck their dick if you give them a ride. And at this point, I'm actually driving like a maniac in the middle of a pretty bad snowstorm at the time, in the hopes that I'm more visible and noticeable to people if anything were to happen. I was terrified for my life, politely refusing all of her sexual and drug-related advances. Finally, we get to a town of the opposite side of the Rockies from Denver, and I pull up to a gas station and say, Okay, I gotta go back to Denver and get some sleep. I'm dropping you off here. All she said was, You're a very smart young man, and I helped her unload the suitcase, and I then left, thanking God I was still breathing. If any of my actions are questioned, this was at a time in my life when I was particularly lost and not in a good mental state at all. I definitely shouldn't have been roaming Colorado by myself. I'm a smaller guy, and I had no weapons aside from a knife. Yeah, I was incredibly lucky. This was one of the most shocking situations that I've ever come across. My stepdaughter and I were chit-chatting on our way home when I pulled into a grocery store shopping center that had some gas pumps. I had made an incorrect entrance in the shopping center and had to mistakenly drive around a chase bank to get to the gas station. As I round a corner to get to the gas pumps, I see a nice new Mustang stopped in front of me, so I can't get through. It's only a few seconds before I see a teenage girl get out from the passenger side, wearing nothing but a hoodie. She has black pants and panties in her hand, and walks swiftly right past my truck. She's clearly distressed, crying, and 100% just as young as my stepdaughter. 15-ish. It took me a second to realize what I just saw. I looked at my stepdaughter, then said, Holy shit, that girl didn't even have pants on. I put my truck in reverse, and she's getting dressed behind some bushes. I rolled down my window and then yelled at her, Hey, are you okay? Do you need some help? She yells back, Just leave me alone and mind your own business. At this point, the Mustang's no longer in sight, and I can see that my truck says two-mile range before out of gas. I had music playing, and I didn't hear the truck being empty until after I picked my daughter up from school and we were talking. So I get to the pump and I started pumping gas, trying to look for that Mustang. Then I see it circle back towards the girl. I immediately stopped the pump and got back in to drive that direction. I fire up my camera to get his license plate number. I at first couldn't see the girl anymore, but the Mustang is now double parked near the bank. As I pull up behind the car to get a picture of the plates, my stepdaughter says she can see the girl and that she's back in the passenger seat. The Mustang has tinted windows, but it's like 3 p.m. The sun is shining, and they weren't super dark, so I could see two people in the front seat, and I noticed big hand gestures and movement in the car. They were clearly fighting or arguing. I don't even know if they had noticed that I had driven past them to snap a photo at that point. After that, I just said, fuck it, time to call the police. My stepdaughter then said, but she said she didn't need help. Are you sure? I then replied back with, if you were in this situation, 
and two women saw you half-naked crying and walking away from a man-slash-boy in a car while carrying your clothing, I really hope they would have called it in too, no matter what you said to them. We also live in Arizona. My truck said that it was 98 degrees. She was a very thin girl. She had faded out and grown out black hair. She had a hoodie on, and things weren't really adding up. Who wears a hoodie in 100 degree weather? If it was a simple argument between a young high school couple, why not throw your pants on before walking through a parking lot completely commando? Plus, in case you didn't know, Arizona is sort of known for sex trafficking, as well as having a large homeless and drug-addicted population. There are these blue pills, I think a type of fentanyl that a lot of young kids get started on, called blues, that are usually smoked, and it just destroys a person. Not to mention the methamphetamine all over down here also. By the end of my phone call with the police, the dispatcher that I was talking to said that an officer had arrived on the scene and found the Mustang. She asked if they could call me later. I of course said yes. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I'll update when and if I get any more information. Lastly, whenever I had sex in a car as a teen, it was always nighttime and we would always try and at least park in a secluded area, especially not in front of a building that probably has many cameras inside and out of it. Anyway, I really hope she's okay. I hope it was just a misunderstanding and not something more serious, but damn, what a creepy thing to witness on a Thursday afternoon with your kid nonetheless. Okay, so I have an update. So the police gave me a follow-up call today, and oh my god, I kind of felt bad, but I also kind of don't. So the girl is underage, she's a freshman in high school, and the driver of the car, her boyfriend, is a senior in high school. But he unfortunately is 18, right? Because my stepdaughter and I both saw her without any pants and underwear on, and it makes things more serious, obviously. The teens both said they were just having an argument and that I wasn't telling the truth about her walking away from the vehicle crying and carrying her pants. Now, because there were myself and another person in my vehicle, they wanted permission to interview and get a statement from my stepdaughter about what she saw. Now, I'm not legally her guardian, so I couldn't give my permission. I pick up my husband from the airport tomorrow morning, so he has to be the one to give permission, and he said he will take her in to give a statement on Monday. My stepdaughter's willing to talk to the police, so my husband called and set everything up. Because the girl is underage, they had to contact her mother when the police arrived at her boyfriend's car. Her mother and now the boyfriend's parents were the ones initially requesting our official statements regarding what we saw because of the conflicting stories. However, the police said it would be helpful to them as well if the stepdaughter can give her statement, as two witnesses are better than one. The officers I talked to today said there are some additional moving parts involving the case that he can discuss with me because of the investigation or whatever. So unfortunately, I can't answer everyone's questions. But he did say this might be an ongoing case depending on a few things that they aren't necessarily certain of yet. They both asked me several times if I was sure of what I saw and if I was certain enough to testify in a courtroom setting as that could very well be where this is headed. I just said yes, I'm sure. I initially felt badly because kids in high school have sex all the time. 
I didn't want this boy getting in trouble or having to potentially register as a sex offender for the rest of his life because I was told to just mind my business and I didn't. However, the more the officers talked to me, the more I felt like the situation was potentially much more heavier than that. So I guess that's all the update I have for now. It's not much, but I'm glad to have called and reported it after all. If I can give another update in the future, I will. 